How does being a medic in Afghanistan inspire one to become a doctor? Why is it important to start both the missions process and relationship building early? What is medical school like as a non-traditional student? Today on Talking to Missions and Med Student Life, I interview Carson, a fourth-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, another great medical student, a fourth-year medical student, Carson. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's nice and sunny outside, so it's a good day so far. And just a little bit about yourself, uh, fourth year. Yep. Um, and excited for the match, which is very soon. Excited, apprehensive. We're not going to talk about that just yet. Sure. I kind of like to build this momentum. This got to like, keep them waiting. All right. So let's jump back a few years. Okay. How, how? When did you decide to become a doctor? Where Where did that come from? So to actually become a physician was. It's going to sound cliche, but I was actually in Afghanistan when I decided I wanted to be a doctor, hmm. working as a medic. Um, going up through high school, like I had done phlebotomy classes and stuff like that, um, knowing that I wanted to do something in medicine, um, worked as a sterile, te- uh, I can't even remember what it's called now, but uh, cleaning surgical instruments. Mm-hmm. In the surgical a scrub form. tech? Scrub, well, no, I wasn't a scrub tech, okay. but it was a sterile tech because okay. I was the one cleaning them, packaging them. The autoclave? Them. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then worked in a lab um, and then got an EMT when I joined the National Guard here in Utah. Um, and started working as a combat medic while in uniform. Deployed to Iraq and um, worked as a line medic there, and you know I was really happy with doing that. And then uh, got deployed again to Afghanistan, and we had had a very um, the base that I was on kept getting rocketed all the time, and mm-hmm. sometimes it made it so that you know the physicians couldn't actually get to the hospital where casualties were coming in, just because they were sheltering in place and stuff like that. And there was one casualty in in very very specific casualty that um it seemed like it took days for the the providers to get there and just me practicing my skills that i you know was comfortable doing and doing what i knew just wasn't enough and it's like okay i have to be able to do more Mm -hmm. and that kind of started me down the road um i started looking into you know what does it take to get into medical school i ordered some mcat study prep stuff and had it delivered out there and Mm. um yeah, Does like, Amazon deliver to Afghanistan? Amazon doesn't deliver to Afghanistan, which is really... Well, at least they didn't then. This mm. was back in 2010, okay. I think. Yeah, 2010. Exa- um, but I delivered it to my house, and then from there it's easy to ship anything to an APO. But, yeah. But so I, I'm thinking, Carson, like, like, let's jump back even further. Like, What prompted you to join the military? And then how old were you? And so, what, what, yeah. Did you come from a family of military? Or? Um, my grandfather retired from the Air Force. My stepfather was in the Air Force, re- medically retired out of there. Um, actually, I was kind of peer pressured into it. Oh, a really? Little bit. Okay. I mean, okay. not peer pressured, but I had a couple... Those recruiters of, cornered you? No, my, <laughs> friends, recru- my yeah. friends cornered me, oh, okay. which is horrible. Um I shake my fist at them every time I think about them now. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Um, no, they uh, they had joined the Utah National Guard um, as uh, electricians to work on helicopters. And like, oh, that's really cool. Like, you guys are doing some really cool stuff. And I, I, I want to be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, was part of it, I'm sure. And then uh, I was actually, I wasn't in school at the time when I joined. I was 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just barely moved back to Salt Lake City from Boise, Idaho. Um, and I was just tired of working 80 hours a week and mm-hmm. I was like, well, I know I want to do something. I need an education. I've been putting it off for years. 
um, I'd had a four-year gap um, in my undergraduate studies, and it's like, well, I can't pay for school without this job, but I don't want to be in this job. I want to be in school, so what else can I do? And that's when the National Guard money started um, weighing in because, hey, you know, you can get money for school and it'll mm-hmm. help. So that was, I say, you know, the biggest reason to join the National Guard. But like I said, I'm sure my friends had some mm-hmm. had some play in it. Were you aware <laughs> that you, you could be deployed? Yeah, I was aware. Okay. Um, I mean, this was 2007, so I mean, we had been at war for six years already and stuff along those lines, so I knew it was Possibility. possible. Yeah. But at the same point in time, you know, I enlisted as a as a medic. Mm-hmm. The unit that um, I enlisted into down in uh, Riverton, which is just south of here, um, their medical unit, they set up a hospital, so I didn't think it was going to be any frontline work or anything along mm-hmm. those lines. Typically, the hospitals are a little bit more reserved from what I knew at the time and held back a little bit. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Not mm-hmm. a big deal. How many how many times did you go over? I went twice okay. um, in 2008. Wow, mm-hmm. years. Yeah. 2008, I went to Iraq, mm-hmm. um, and that was with a unit out of Washington State. And then in 2010, um, I went to Afghanistan with that actual unit I enlisted mm-hmm. into here in Utah. Which was better for you? They were both great. Okay. So Iraq... I, sometimes like, when I talk to vets, they say, like, oh, this happened... Iraq is, like, there's, like, a yeah. comparative... There's a huge difference between the Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Some, some big things happened in Iraq. I mean, um, I call it the fun deployment mm-hmm. because um, I was part of a cavalry troop. Mm-hmm. So we were out on the roads, driving around all the time, going from place to place. Um, and I was working as a line medic, so... Mm-hmm. What's a line medic? So yeah. a line medic is someone who's forward with the people out doing... The, the boots on the ground. The back oh, so way. a World War II example is they have the lacrosse on the helmet? Sure. Okay. And, <laughs> no. Sure. Why not? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I really like Band of Brothers, and I really like those red crosses on the helmets, okay. but I would never wear a red cross on my helmet. Okay. But, yeah, out okay. there with, okay. with your, your forward with whoever. And if, again, just to really simplify it, and I feel bad. Like, if someone gets hurt, do they really scream, medic? You'd be surprised. Okay. Yes. All right. And then whatever you do, and you drop um, everything. Medic or doc, something like okay. that. But yeah, drop what you do and go running. Okay. Um, that part's fairly accurate. Fair, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, Iraq was, I call it the fun deployment. Um, it uh, really had the opportunity to build some really strong connections with some people I was with. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we were out running around, getting shot at, mm-hmm. doing all sorts of fun stuff. Well, getting shot at wasn't fun, but you know what I mean. Was it uh, as fun? Yeah. It wasn't as fun, no. Yeah. That wasn't as fun. It was a little scary the first time, and then about after the 30th, it's like, meh. Mm. There's armor on these vehicles. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and then I call Afghanistan the educational one. Okay. Um, so I was still a medic. Uh, I was a more senior medic. Um, and so I had, um, I was kind of responsible for helping train some other medics and making sure their clinic runs smoothly. Um, and since I had some more experience, I was allowed a little more leeway with what I could do. Because there's a very, very well-known see one, do one, teach one mentality within military medicine. And if your providers are comfortable with you doing something, you know, checking with them, hey, I'm going to do this. And then you get the sign off, go for it. Um, And I got to, at first it was just working in the outpatient clinic. And then it was as a supplemental staff to the trauma bay. So when more patients came in than they could handle, then I would sneak my way onto a bed and work there. And then I would see the um, individuals or casualties come in and go from the trauma bay to the operating room, and I would peek my little head around the corner and be like, what's going on in there? Um, and then it, that turned into me weaseling my way into there, and then we're 
um, working as a circulator mm-hmm. and um, got the excellent opportunity to first assist on a couple of cases. Wow. Um, and it just kind of built. Um, so it was very educational. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually where I fell in love with surgery, actually, um, which we'll probably talk about later. But, um, yeah, super great exposure, super great experience. And how much schooling had you finished during this time? Ooh, so I was about halfway through my undergraduate career. Okay. And during your deployments, are you allowed, like, are there online classes oh, available? Sure. Because sometimes, like, you know, you're, like, I've had other vets come through and there's that joint services mm-hmm. transcript. So I get the sense there is some educational lessons that can be done. Yeah. Even if you're in some foreign country. Sure. So tell me about that. Yeah. So the, yeah. the joint services transcript, from my understanding, um, is basically a transcript of everything that you've learned or all of the classes or courses that could potentially translate into university credit. Oh, I see. Okay. So for myself, since I went and got an EMTB and then continued that out with what we call um, whiskey training mm-hmm. um, from the medic field, um, a bunch of those hours, actually none of those hours transferred over, but um, to... to this university to the undergraduate university here in Utah, but at other schools they could have transferred and counted for some general education electives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got four hours for physical education that transferred over <laughs> onto my transcript. Um, but outside of that, um, like I told my, I tell my soldiers um, going through deployments, like when you're off, you're off. Make mm-hmm. sure you you guard your off time because. There's always going to be work to do, but if you're off, you're off. There's always something to do. And there's always the opportunity. I mean, you can take online courses. You can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Well, not whatever you want, but, I mean, if you want to take an online course, there's nothing stopping you. Okay, okay. And had you taken the pre-med recs before you left, or was that something you needed to do afterwards? That's something I needed to do afterwards. Um, I actually started um, working on a biology degree at Utah State University in 2002. Um, Like I said, took a a multiple-year gap to go work. And then had the, the realization I need to get back into school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I kept going on that biology degree path. And then coming back from Afghanistan is when I really hit the, the pre-med wrecks okay. really hard. Was it hard to walk away from the military? Or did you, or did you think about, because I know there, there's USIS and there's all mm-hmm. these, there's kind of different paths to becoming a doctor within the military. Sure, so yeah. I'm just curious how you ended up choosing your particular path. Yeah. So uh, luckily I haven't had to walk away yet, mm-hmm. which is great. I'm actually still a combat medic in the Utah Army National okay. Guard, right. which is great. Um, turned 13 years, t- 13 years Army old uh, okay. last month. Um, it's actually been really good. Um, National Guard's part-time, you know, one week in a month, two weeks a year. I'm air-quoting here for whoever can't see, because sometimes it's a little bit more than that. Um, (laughs) Just a little bit more sometimes. Just a little bit more sometimes. Um, But uh, they've worked with me very well. Um, School's worked with me fairly well to make sure that I can can do that, because I actually really do like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I did apply to Uniform Services, interviewed there, was waitlisted. I mean, but ultimately, Utah's home, so I was okay. I was happy to come back to Utah. Okay, all right. So you're going through the application process. Mm-hmm. Um, tips, advice you would give to those out there? Looking back, would you have done anything differently? I would have started a lot earlier. Okay. That's probably, um, yeah, the number one tip is start early. Mm-hmm. Um, before I was accepted to medical school here, I was in graduate school at Tulane working on a master's degree. Yes. I remember right. when I talked yeah. to you on the phone, you were, you were running around Louisiana. So. I was, yeah, I was in Louisiana. I had just gotten back from, to Louisiana from Germany, yeah. but yeah. Um, running around Louisiana, and some of my advisors, I had gone to the pre-medical advisor there, um, 
even as a graduate student, they were willing to help, which was awesome. Um, and one of the things that they had said over and over, have everything ready to go. So when you can click the button, you click the button. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, first off, no one likes to, you know, procrastinate and stress at the last minute. Um, some people in my family would say that if I didn't procrastinate, I'd get nothing done, mm-hmm. which was probably right at some level. Um, but start early. Mm-hmm. Um, if medicine's something that you really want to get into, and medical school's where you definitely want to go, um, build the relationships with the individuals who can help you there, help you get there, excuse me, early. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, being on the admissions committee here as a student member. Um, as a fourth year. As a fourth year, yeah. right, sorry. Um, some of the greatest things that I that I see that I enjoy seeing are extremely long shredders. Wow, that was a re- weird word. Mm-hmm. Extremely strong letters mm-hmm. of uh, recommendation from professors um, from wherever um, who really know the individual that they're proffering the letter for. Um, it lets us know that it's not just you know someone that you want to last minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not a letter that I'm going to worry about finding different pronouns or anything along those lines because it's a copy and paste job. Um, and I mean, put your nose to the wheel. I mean, medical, getting into medical school is a hard job. Mm -hmm. Um, and then completing medical school is a hard job and just get ready for it. Um, tell yourself, Hey, it's going to, it's going to be hard. It's going to suck for a little bit, but Mm -hmm. it's worth it. How did you end up, uh, at this program in Tulane? What was, what was kind of the decision-making that went into that? Yeah. So I get asked this question a lot about should I get oh, a master's degree? Yeah, degree like kind of post back master's degrees programs. And yeah. it's very controversial in the pre-med world. So, yeah, yeah, so um, to be completely honest, I didn't get into medical school. Um, the first I, time you The first time I applied, yeah. yeah. Um, my GPA wasn't horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that I could use some more work in science um, just to kind of bolster that GPA and give me an opportunity to find some more letters of recommendation. And I really wanted to show to the committee that I was continuing forward momentum that um, because I got a no, I didn't, you know, stick my head in the sand and sulk or something. Yeah, and feel sorry for yourself. Yeah, Yeah, and and then just reapply next year and and have the same questions asked. Well, you know, what has he been doing? Mm -hmm. That could have some demonstrable evidence that I was still working towards the goal. Okay, right. And did you, was it, like, so I'm curious, like, I got a series of questions in my mind. Like, when you started medical school, do you feel your undergrad and your master's program prepared you academically, or do you feel like, oh, this is like a whole new ball game? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that part of my graduate school, a lot of it helped me. Okay, good. Because um, my master's is in cell and molecular biology, so understanding signaling cascades, all sorts of random stuff like that really helped in mm-hmm. some of the courses. Um to the point where I probably didn't study as much as I should have. Okay. Um, I felt a little overconfident, but I got that confidence from taking those courses. Um, undergraduate school, to be completely honest, I don't know. Mm. Um, I think for me personally, um, and it's going to sound kind of weird because I'm an older, I was an older candidate, but mm-hmm. it took graduate school for me to kind of grow up yeah. to realize that, you know, it's not just go to class for three hours and then go hang out with friends and then mm-hmm. whatever, but it's actual work. Did you feel that was an issue at all, being a non-traditional student and being older than the average class classmate? You know what I'm saying? You know, I didn't think it was until a university that I interviewed, a medical school that I interviewed at, asked me how I felt about being so much older than every other applicant. (laughs) And part of me kind of went, wait a minute, I'm not sure they can ask that. Yeah. 
They're but, not supposed to. Yeah, but, but I can ask you that on a podcast right now. Sure, it's all yeah. retrospective. For sure, for sure. <laughs> you can't kick me out now, Doctor Chan. You already accepted me. Um, I didn't think it was a problem mm-hmm. um, getting into class. Um, I mean, we all kind of, for whatever reason. Uh, Social explanation you want to we all kind of tend to gravitate to yeah, those who yeah. are like I mean, people self select, right? yeah. and then there's a. I think our school is really great for non traditional students. I think there's a lot of people in their 30s, 40s, exactly. Here, so, and that was, um, I don't want to sound um, vain or anything along those lines, but walking into class going, Yes, I'm not the oldest one here was kind of it's kind of nice because okay. <laughs> I mean, I was 32 when mm-hmm. we started med- when I started medical school, mm-hmm. um, but no, I don't think age really. Mm-hmm. Um, hurt me in any way. What kind of activities were you doing, Carson, the first couple of years, like in terms of research or community service? Yeah, so uh, uh, admittedly, I probably didn't do as much research as I should have. Okay. Um, community service was volunteering with, um, back up here a little bit, I actually enjoy education. Mm-hmm. Um, so spending time with Anatomy Academy okay. and um, young physicians and stuff along those lines, just um, helping expose high school and elementary and junior high school students to medicine and to the sciences and stuff along those lines was where I spent the, the majority of my time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, the first couple of years, the preclinical years, you know, what I know about you then, if I had asked you, I probably would have heard surgery or emergency medicine. Would that have been accurate? Surgery, you kind of lean yeah. that way? Yeah, yeah. surgery and emergency med- and, uh, I can't talk. Surgery and emergency medicine were probably tied for first. Okay. So let's talk about third year. Well, how was your third year? What did you start off with? What was your experience? I described third year in like three separate sections. Okay. Uh, the beginning of third year was horrible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I At least I felt so. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea about anything like what medicine was. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like, um, you know, my hair was on fire just standing around saying, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned a lot in the first, the first three blocks. Um, what were those three? So they were neurology, surgery, and internal medicine. Okay. So some pretty heavy so hitters there. Yeah. yeah, pretty heavy. And I kind of wanted, it was actually neurology, internal medicine, and then surgery. Mm-hmm. I knew that I didn't want to go into medicine. Um, so I kind of wanted to use medicine as a, as a warm up for surgery. So that's why I was kind of stacked that way. But it was super busy. Um, I felt extremely inefficient, like I didn't know anything, um, and that I was being tolerated. Mm. And that was just an internal feeling. That wasn't anything that I experienced out on the wards or anything along those lines. And the next couple of blocks, things got better, knowledge base and how to operate in a hospital um, was a little bit better. Um, mm. I was feeling a little more sure of myself. Um, I knew I didn't know all the answers, but that was okay mm-hmm. because no one's expecting you to. And then the last third of third year was just, I had fun. Mm-hmm. It was great. Um, actually, one of my funnest rotations was psychiatry. Okay. I was over at uni. Tell I, me. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you'd love this. Mm-hmm. Um, just over at uni, just having a blast because um, while obviously I'm not worried about all the all the medical problems in the background, um, but there are things that still play into it and play mm-hmm. into disease processes. Yeah. Um, and it was just really, really fun. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, it's a, it's it's like a, I would argue, um, you know, like each discipline, each field has its own culture. Oh sure. And it's kind of, and they, each discipline has kind of its own patient population to a certain extent, mm-hmm. and 
there's just these personalities uh, among the different docs and the nurses. And something I've heard, you know, over time with talking to all students is, like, as you pick a field, you kind of have to find your people. Yeah. You know? And, like, what's kind of this culture you want to submerge yourself in. So it's kind of like, like third year is kind of like a tour, right? You're going to be a psychiatrist for six uh-huh. weeks, a pediatrician for six weeks. And how does that make you feel and how do you do? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I mean, that's kind of something that I was thinking in the back of my head when you started um, talking there for a second was that uh, that third year like really opened my eyes to the different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I saw the different cultures, I I mean, I'll, I will unabashedly say that I stopped trying to fit in mm-hmm. because I had found my people in the surgery world. Okay. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, I was walking around, you know, trying to be a jerk or anything mm-hmm. along those lines. But it was just, all right, there's something here to learn. I don't really fit in here. I kind of feel like an odd duck, but that's fine. Yeah. Because there's and something. And see, I was the opposite. Like, I obviously chose to become a psychiatrist, but I liked visiting the surgeon world but mm-hmm. just it was really different like oh yeah you know because we gotta get at the hospital so early to do all the rounding because the or opens at seven and everyone mm-hmm. wants to get the or on time and you know it's this cascade effect and mm-hmm. then you know you're operating and all this stuff is happening on the floor you know it's just it, it, people it, are poking their head in yeah saying, what about this yeah yeah, yeah and, absolutely you know and i i remember just watching surgeons operate and returning pages because like there's a there, there's a scrub nurse mm-hmm. like she would hold the phone while uh-huh. you know and like the doctor would be giving orders it was, it was just like wow this is a lot of multitasking, a lot of stuff going on. Yes, there's yeah. definitely a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I definitely appreciated and enjoyed my time on the other rotations because, mm-hmm. like I said, there was something to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I think when people start thinking about their specialties, as long as they, they kind of keep that in the back of their head, that there's you know there's something to learn here mm-hmm. um, that it makes everything tolerable. Did the did the pace remind you of your medic days, or is it is it completely different? You know what I'm saying. Like, pace of thirty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pace of the hospital. You know, just the way things operate and how there's somewhat of a hierarchical nature to things. And, yeah. So the yeah. hierarchical nature definitely reminds me of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a an attending physician that I don't call sir or ma'am for mm-hmm. better or worse, just because that's interesting um, how it works. Um, and it, yeah, the hierarchical nature definitely reminds me of my medic time. I would say some services, uh, like the pace anyway, some services more closely resemble it um, mm-hmm. than others. Um, but no, the, the, I'll call it the rank structure of medicine is very hearkening to those days. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like the hardest part for you was the beginning. And do you think it had anything to do with those first three rotations or as much, much more just like you transitioning from a second year to third year? I think it was more of the transition. Okay. Um, so anything could have been first and could have been a little rough. Yeah, yeah I'm sure I am sure I could have had psychiatry first. And mm-hmm. well, I'm sure I would have enjoyed it. It would have been like, what am I doing here? I, I know nothing. Um, but no, I think it was just getting in, getting acclimated to the pace, um, learning how to be flexible. Because um, I think a lot of, it, well, at least for myself, I don't want to speak for a lot of other people, but I um, tend to try and, find patterns and figure out how things work as far as like uh, stepwise fashion and things along those lines, just because that's how it makes sense in my mind. It's a mystery why I'm going into surgery. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so learning how things flow and everything along those lines, then you switch to another service where the flow is completely different. And it's like, wait a minute, there was just a rug underneath my feet. I felt it there a second ago and now it's Mm -hmm. gone. Um, but it's just learning to be flexible. Um, because no matter what you're, you're going to, you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. It just might take a couple minutes. 
did you flirt with any other field or once you did your surgery rotation, you're all in? Yeah. So I've done a lot of surgery rotations and I still love surgery. Um, anesthesiology is a sneaky one. Ooh, yeah. It's other sneaky. side of the table. Other yeah. side of the table. Yeah. Um, the physiology is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you get to kill people and bring them back exactly, to life. It's, it's great. Just, yeah. Um, I shouldn't say it's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Um, it's... The physiology is great. The medicine's great. The pharmacology is confusing, mm-hmm. um, but still great. And the uh, all the anesthesiologists I spent time with were really awesome about you know explaining what was going on, and we'd have a lot of table talks and stuff along those lines. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I can't even count the number of times I'd be talking with my anesthesia attending, and then find myself peeking over the curtain, seeing yeah. what was going on on the other side, and be like, "Oh, they're getting ready yeah. to do this." Um, and wanting to be like, I can get that for you. Let me, you know, but anesthesia sneaky. Hmm. So you um, flirted, but I've, I've flirted. Little little yeah. Footsie. Just toeing the line a yeah, little okay. bit. Just trying to see where it's at. Okay. Um, and you mentioned other surgery. Which ones did you end up doing? So, um, I have done plastics, okay. vascular surgery, and foregut oh. and bariatric. Wow. That's kind um, of a very and then diverse a, group of, and then a trauma surgery. Rotation. Okay. Which one did you like the most? Yes. <laughs> I like, See, all of the above. Yes, okay. yes, I like them all for different reasons. Okay. Um, the first one I did was the trauma service, mm-hmm. and I loved it because it was kind of, it took me back to the days yeah, of operating yeah. the trauma bay. Yeah. Car crashes, um, gunshot wounds. Absolutely. Falls. Um, tons of blunt trauma. Yeah. Um, fights, drunk fights. Yeah. Good knife and gun club stuff. Yeah. Um, the hours were horrendously mm-hmm. long, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. I thrived. Um, the general surgeons were great. Learned a lot from them. Um, next one I went to was vascular surgery. Again, very long hours, um, but it taught me new approaches to stuff because a lot of vascular surgery is all done endovascularly now. So seeing some of the advancements in EVAR and TVAR and stuff along wow. those lines, yeah. I felt that, you know... It's like little toys now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like my head would explode on every other case. Like you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, foregut bariatric was really awesome because I think there's a really, on the bariatric side, people who, you know, you can help a really awesome... Uh, pa- patient population um, who, for whatever reason, you know, really need some help, and you can do that, and you can be there for them. And I really liked that one because it wasn't just okay, come in for surgery, we're done. It's a very long, drawn out, and involved care process where those surgeons are plugged in with those patients forever. Um, and you know, we'd have patients who were you know eleven months out and have an issue, and guess who's taking care of them? We are mm-hmm. because that's uh, where the service that they belong to. And then plastics was just mind blowing as well. Yeah. Um, the whole concept of reconstruction. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. I'm. I will be 100% forthcoming. Say I'm totally naive thinking about plastic surgery. I'd never really thought about it in the past. I thought it was going to be a lot of you know rhinoplasty, yeah, breast augmentations, yeah, things along those stuff. lines. And I didn't see a cosmetic procedure mm-hmm. until the last week I was on the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first case I was on was a woman who had a fungating mass on her right shoulder. Um, down to her chest wall, and so she had a four-quarter amputation done mm. where they took off her right arm uh, right at the base. And we, I say we, I mean I was in the room. I didn't do any of the work. Mm. Um, but the surgeons actually took a flap um, from her anterior thigh um, and actually 
hooked all the wi- hooked all the tubes and everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, all the vascular supply, I shouldn't say hooked all the tubes up. No, no, but I like it. I like you. You're talking like a surgeon. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I do know some words that make me sound smart sometimes. But um, uh, hooked all the vascular supply up and closed her, and then I followed her in the hospital for a couple of weeks, and she's back at home now. Wow. It's amazing. It's and amazing it's, what they can do, yeah. I know I like to make fun of surgeons and surgery, but I think they do a phenomenal job, and... Yeah, I mean... It's it's a hard life because the OR is long and there's a lot of risk involved. Sure. Um, but sure. we need people to be surgeons. And at the, I mean, at the same point in time, if you can watch someone rebuild... I mean, if you can rebuild a pelvis from a fibula, mm. that's that's an awesome skill mm. to have. Um, so you're going through this experience, Carson, and, and you're definitely surgery. Definitely surgery. How did you pick which path on surgery... For fourth year, like like, because you have to submit your residency application. Right. Like, what was your thought process? How did you? So do that? my thought process is that I'd seen a lot of general surgery just from my time in Afghanistan in the trauma service, mm-hmm. um, which is a general surgery service when there's not trauma going on here, um, and seeing other surgical services kind of out in the periphery. Mm-hmm. I will say in the periphery, but obviously they're they're working just as hard, um, and wanting to know what I could do past general surgery. So I applied to general surgery, and, okay. um, and um, how many programs did you apply to? Seventy-seven. Okay, a bunch. A bunch. A bunch. A bunch. Um, but here, here at an academic center, we're very, very lucky because we have a lot of extremely specialized individuals for foregut bariatric, colorectal, plastics, vascular surgery, et cetera. Cardio, excuse me, cardiothoracic, on and on. Um, and I wanted to expose myself to those other subspecialties. Um, so I just started whittling through them. The ones that I thought were most interesting, um, vascular, foregut, plastics mm. were the top of the list. Okay. And that's everything that I could squeeze in with all the other requirements. I see. Okay. Yeah. So you applied to 77 programs. Mm-hmm. Did you do any away rotations? I did not. Okay. Um, general well, what, was kind of, what was kind of your philosophy going on? Yeah, so that? I yeah. sat down with um, one of my advisors, and we looked over everything, and just the general gestalt is that general surgery is not one that you need to do in a way rotation. There are definitely others that you 100% have to. Emergency Mm -hmm. medicine, you have to do in a way rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, But you you don't necessarily need it. Mm -hmm. If there's some place that you 100% absolutely want to go, um, I don't think it hurts you. And that was the same advice that I got. I don't Mm -hmm. think it hurts you. Um, But if you're going to go there, you need to go there under the assumption that you're going to work your tail off. Mm-hmm. And you're going to walk out of there with an honors in the course and letters of recommendation that have, you know, written in gold ink, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to say I didn't want to put the stress on myself, but let's be real. Medical school can be expensive. Yes. yes. And having to travel to another state, afford lodging um, and everything was just that played a, a very large part into okay. it. Okay. So. So you applied to 77. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you comfortable sharing how many interviews did you go on? Not enough. Not enough. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the answer that and pretty much everyone will give you. Okay. All right. Yeah. So not you, enough. you went on not enough interviews. Yep. What's going on out there on the interview trail? What, what was your experience? So, are, they, are, are some programs asking you, hey, I want, we want to see you stitch? Kind of like... I'm lucky. Okay. No one asked me that. Okay. I've heard horror stories from other individuals who actually interviewed at places that I wanted to but didn't get the opportunity to interview at, um, where they were they were taken into the operating room. and Really? Wow. Um, a lot of pressure on that. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I mean, I'm nervous enough sometimes. Why don't you scrub in as fast as you can? Yeah, exactly. Ooh, you missed a spot. Yeah. See, that's a trick though, because you're supposed to spend a specific amount of time yeah. scrubbing. So that's really I'm trying sure to all the you. doctors we've ever seen have always hit that yeah, mark. Exactly. Yeah. Not at all. Okay. Um, uh, I want to say that someone was asked to tie, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I will say that if you're thinking about going to surgery, start now mm-hmm. because it is a very perishable skill. And sometimes it, when you're under pressure and people are staring at you, you are all thumbs and that's not good in mm-hmm. tying suture. Yeah. Um, but no, my, my experience on the trail was pleasant. It was mm-hmm. fun. I met people from across the nation, um, who, um, I don't want to say we're just like me, but we kind of had the same mentalities, had the same goals and what kind of questions do were the residency programs asking were they do they talk about what happened here med school were they talking about what happened you know your military service like what kind of things would come up both um kind of a mix there were some interviewers at different places that um i don't want to disparage anyone but it almost seemed as though that they had no idea who i was Mm. and we did a very abbreviated this is who i am this is my story Mm -hmm. um one of the advisors here i mean i'm sure you know this uh, you know you need to have you know, a two-minute story about yourself. and The elevator pitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I got to practice my elevator pitch a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, some interviews only focused on my military service, which was great. I can talk mm-hmm. about military service all day. If somebody wants to hear about it, I'm sure there's. they were yawning as soon as I left the room, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, very few actually asked about my medical school experience, actually. Interesting. Um, I would get, it seemed like generic questions. How's school been? What have you liked? What have you enjoyed? Um, but then they'd come with a curveball, and it was just one of the, like some of the toughest questions right out of the book. Mm-hmm. It's like they ask you the easy questions first, just to kind of soften, kind you, of up soften you up. And mm-hmm. then it's, were what they are, like, what like are your surgery? deepest, darkest fears? Yeah. And stuff like that. Oh, so it was more like, no, that was, oh, all right. I was about to say like, was it like surgical trivia questions? Like, no, no pimping or anything okay. like that. But, um, you know, what's your greatest weakness? Oh, okay. And, yeah. I mean, we all sit back and talk, you know, think, all right, well, if I'm asked this. I work too hard. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to hear that. Not at all. Spend too many hours at the hospital. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like every answer I gave, which I was genuine in saying, you know, I think I'm weak in these areas, mm-hmm. I would, would get pushback. That's not a weakness. That's everybody. What else? Hmm. Just like, I have no idea how to appease you right now. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. I'm sorry. Well... To kind of transition, Carson, I, I mean, the match is a little under a month. Less than that. Yeah. March 20th. How are you feeling? What's the what's what's the emotional kind of... So to me, like, as I talk to the students, it's just emotional roller coaster. Right? It is. And the internet is fantastic, but I think it just causes more panic on certain levels. And I'm sure you've checked out all these websites and, you know, and everyone in your class is, you know, who is also going into gen surge. So like, like, how does it feel right now? What's going on? So to be completely honest, I haven't really gone online. Okay. I've told myself it's going to be what it's going to be and I don't need to worry myself. So I've kind of detached myself from that. Um, listen to the Dean of student affairs here and he, you know, his pitch and the information that he's provided, the data he's given. And I found that satisfactory enough to be able to say, I'll accept that, and that's great because I can't really change anything at this point in time. But you're absolutely right; it's a totally emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I can't even say it right now; I'm like choking up about it. Um, and it's something that I find interesting is that everyone's on that same roller coaster. It's just whether or not it's uphill or downhill at the mm-hmm. same time. Um, and occasionally, you meet someone who's at the same spot. Yeah. Um, but 
it's nerve wracking. Um, but at the same point in time, it's one of those things I can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So let me go read up on this anatomy so I can look okay in the OR tomorrow instead. Are you the type of person that you allow your brain to like even entertain the idea that you, there is like a slim possibility you won't match or does your, you not let yourself go there? I'm the type of person that has a very large portion of my brain that will say you're not going to match. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but again, what can I do? Um, it would be very unfortunate if that were the case. Mm Um, I wouldn't say large. I'd say I'm about 60, 40 right now. 60 I'll match, 40 I won't. Mm -hmm. Um, which is frightening now that I think about it, um, that that much mental energy has gone to it. But, well, you started um, thinking about it then, but then, yeah. like, a part, to me, like, a, a way to kind of mod- like modulate that is you have a backup plan. So yeah. do you, are, are you the type of person that's just preparing yourself to, like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to, we, we call it the SOAP, the supplemental, yep. I can't remember. You, you Offered acceptance program. Yeah, okay, good. Um, and are you someone that's, like, I just need to practice, I, I I, I'll take anything, so you'll go to a different field that might be open outside of Gen Surge, or are you the type of person, like, kind of like in your past, like, you redouble efforts. Okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. do more research and then re- redo the match next year and do Gen Surge for sure. No, I have a plan, for okay. sure. Um, I, I'm i actually kind of the person who says plan for the worst, hope for the best. Mm-hmm. So I'm planning on soaping, actually, okay. and working towards that right now, trying to make sure that my uh, extreme phone dating, phone speed dating skills are up, and, mm. um, so that if I do get a phone call from a program, I'll be able to instantly turn on the, the, the interview pitch yeah, over the, the phone. phone. Yeah, yeah, exactly that interview switch mm-hmm. um, with different letters and things along those lines, and then starting to kind of put together the plan of what happens after that if that isn't successful. Mm-hmm. So no, there's definitely plans. Uh, I've definitely thought okay. about it, but again, I don't want to get emotional or anything about it just because it's one of those if it happens it happens and i'll have a plan well carson what i know about you is you're you're a fighter you're a survivor you've accomplished so much and again i i feel bad that like this roller coaster is part of it but you're gonna be a great doctor it's life i mean you're a great doctor and and i think that's something that you're kind of in this you're in the worst spot now because it's ambiguous Mm -hmm. and you're in this gray zone and it's hard. But I mean, even really that, that same kind of emotional roller coaster has gone back. I mean, applying to medical school, am I going to get in? Am I not going Mm -hmm. to get in? Right. Yeah. I think that's some, something that even medical school applicants experience. And suffice it to say is it doesn't go away. It just changes. So, um, it, it builds character. Mm-hmm. That's what I'll say. <laughs> it builds character. So does serving in the military and going on multiple tours. That's yes. just fun. Okay. <laughs> That's just fun. Well, Carson, I really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Do you mind coming back on after the match? And sure. No, not like the day of, but like, you know. Oh, I won't be here. Have so. some time to process it. Whatever happens. Yeah, yeah, I actually won't be here for match day. Oh, where so are you going? I'll be in Morocco. For fun or for protecting our country? Uh, yes. In some roundabout way. There's, I don't want to sound, for anybody who is in the military who might be listening here, I don't want to sound very opsecky. Sorry, I have to put that in there. Okay. But oh, thank you. Thank there's, um, I will be in Morocco. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, they'll let you know via email then. No, I've instructed someone to open my envelope and call. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to like sign a form to give permission to someone, or you just say? Hey. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I told somebody with witnesses around that it was okay if they stole my envelope and, and call then me. they would call you immediately. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it's so ten o'clock Utah time, what time is it in Morocco? Have you ever figured this out? I can't math. I okay. don't know. 
<laughs> I'm just thinking you get this phone call in the middle of the night. So, no, it won't yeah. be in the middle of the night. Okay. Actually, no, it will not be in the middle of the night. All right. But wow. it'll be fun. It'll be great. Well, um, Carson, this has been, I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Me as well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.